We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. So glad to have you, man. If you were watching that Broncos-Chargers game last night, yikes. I mean, it's just unfathomable that the Broncos could be this bad, Perloff. With 11 days to prepare, they have not cleaned up any of the mistakes in terms of the penalties. Russell Wilson just looks completely lost, especially after the first drive or so. The second half was a total debacle. I mean, the Chargers weren't in any great shakes either, so this was two kind of evenly matched teams as it turned out. But, man, that was brutal. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Broncos planned to be playing a guy named Damari Mathis who was four four PI or holding calls. Listen, they're getting – and the front line is a little thin right now. Yeah, they have problems. There's no doubt about it. I would the only exception I would take is I think there's something kind of fun about us all being able to watch these crazy games together. You knew last night was going to come down to the wire very early on. Yeah, there's going to be something weird that's going to happen. I'm going to be honest. I would have never thought that the post game interview on the field was going to be the kicker. Oh, Dustin Hopkins is the man, <laughs> nicest guy in the NFL. I mean, he came across that way, but the fact that he was getting the all the praise for like toughing it out. Well, I meanwhile, mean, it looks like <laughs> it looks like Russell Wilson may have been playing through a significant hamstring injury, which is like, ah, eh, forget that guy. But the kicker playing with a hamstring injury now, that dude's a hero. And you know what? He was super clutch. The offense could not move. Everyone knew even though that guy was wearing like a wrap around his leg everyone knew it was going to come down to whether their injured kicker could make us something from 30 plus yeah uh, by the way justin herbert also kind of looks like he's soldiering through some yes, kind of injury i do not understand the Chargers' offense i mean nope. justin herbert is six six has the arm of a god and every pass is four yards in front of him <laughs> and you're just praying that gerald Everett doesn't make a huge mistake which he Always does. One of the most talented players. He's so good, and he always makes a bonehead mistake. And, of course, he made one last night. I don't get the charges at all. I mean, you have Justin Herbert. Throw the ball downfield. Why don't Dink they down- throw the ball to Williams? I just don't understand it. Well, they had Sertain on him last night was the point. But I, I don't know. I have no idea what the Chargers are doing. Uh, I think their injuries are obviously like the Chargers are not going to win a lot of games if Joey Bosa doesn't come back soon. Okay. He is the everything to them. You and I talked about this yesterday about who are the best teams in the AFC. And we were really talking about who's the deeper conference, the AFC or the NFC, because I'm like, the NFC just stinks, you know? But you're like, well, who are the best teams in the AFC? I'm like, well, definitely the Bills, definitely the Chiefs, and it's tough because the Ravens are coming off of a bad loss to the New York Giants, and we were like, well, maybe the Chargers. And then you look at the Chargers last night, it's like, this is not one of the best teams in the AFC, not even close. Well, they're one of the best teams in the AFC, but right, because they don't have a lot of competition. I guess, but I, I, I would not trust them in a big spot. No chance. I mean, Brandon Staley was lucky that they got away from Cleveland with a win last week because of the boneheaded decision to go for it in minus territory. And now, I mean, last night, that was a gift. That was that game was 100% ending in a tie until the muff punt. 100%. And that would have been the most devastating outcome of all, to sit through that and to come away with a tie just would not have been fair. Uh, okay. So wait, you never answer. Who's the third best team? I think we got a TBD right now. I don't know if yeah. I don't know who exists as the third best AFC team right now. Interesting. Uh, the if Tua plays well, it could be the Dolphins. I think I I keep maintaining the NFC is just as good as the AFC, based on the fact that they're going to end up with be a better right record. Now. I don't know. They're probably going to be right there in the Super Bowl. Like you, the Super Bowls are so crazy right now. Yeah, well, that's 
Yeah, know? I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, do we feel so confident the Bills or the Chiefs are both going to, either one is going to get there and they're going to win? Who knows? No, who knows? But, I mean, going into the season, at least I'll speak for myself, I was calling the NFC the junior varsity. You know, besides, like, the Bucks haven't looked great, the Packers haven't looked great, and the Rams haven't looked great. So, your Eagles... And I know the Vikings have a really good record, yeah. but who in the NFC is also scaring you besides your Eagles, who are 6 0? Oh, yeah. maybe your Cowboys. Oh, yeah, my Cowboys. How could I? Maybe. Um, yeah, but then. Playoff team. But look, look it. it's going to be playoff time, and you're going to, you say you're the Eagles, you're going to sit there and you're going to have to play Tom Brady. Yeah. You might have to play Aaron Rodgers. You might have to play the Niners. Like, there's going to be some impossible matchup. It's going to be hard. It, there's a lot of stats that are coming out this week. There's more parity than ever in the NFL. The average margin of victory is 8.3 points. That's the lowest since 1932. Wow. So, who knows? <laughs> like That was a great season, 32. 32 was a good one. That yeah. was a really good I had a great fantasy season. team, 32. <laughs> I made a ton of money just yeah. betting only against the spread that year, too, yeah. which is crazy because of the margin of victory. Otto so Graham's small. rushing touchdowns put me over the top in week 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's We still talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... so Okay, on, so my point yes. is, like, there are a lot of bad teams. You know, I think this is the year of the bad team. <laughs> well, with that in mind, uh, thank you for the segue. On Tuesdays, we always do Maggie's top five quarterbacks yeah. of the moment, of the moment. But this week, we do a little bit of a twist because, as Perloff said, this is the year of the bad team. So this week, we are doing Maggie's bottom five quarterbacks of the moment the worst five quarterbacks yes. in the nfl according to me right now and again how we do this is just it's just taking the temperature right now of the nfl this is not history this is not a legacy award or whatever for this week in the moment number five top five bottom five quarterbacks in the league so this is an order from sort of 27 to 32 in yes. the moment all the way down to the last of them and it had to be someone who started last week. Can't be someone who's just on a bench. Okay. Number five, Cooper Rush. Oh, I hate to do it. Cooper Rush, 18 for 38. He did have a touchdown. Three interceptions, though. That's not great. He was 40, 47% completion percentage. Cooper Rush of my Dallas Cowboys, who I had so much faith in. He is now fifth on the bottom five quarters. Wow, how times change. I know. That was that was tough. I didn't want to do it to him, but yeah. I mean, I think a couple a couple of those were at the end, right? When he was kind of pushing the ball. I still think he did a great job, though, right? You know, mission accomplished, Cooper Rush. Totally. Just like claps for you, but that was a really bad performance. Okay, number four on my bottom five quarterbacks list, Kyler Murray. Now, the rushing yards make up for it. He had 10 rushes for 100 yards, which I realize not very few quarterbacks can do. That's basically him and Lamar, but. He was 23 for 37, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. They were four for 16 on third down, one for five on fourth down, and he took six sacks. And the fact that he did this against the Seahawks, who are one of the worst defenses in the NFL, this was not him facing the 85 Bears. The Seahawks defense absolutely stinks. Now, maybe they'll turn it around, but right now Seahawks is, is a bad defense for all the positivity we give Geno and Pete Carroll. Their defense is bad, and they held Kyler Murray to not a touchdown. The only touchdown the Cardinals scored was on a special team. So whose contract do you feel worse about right now, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, or Derek Carr? Oh, my gosh. Derek Carr looks like a bargain right now. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. Actually, Kyler I didn't know Russell? if I should put Derek Carr in it. Oh, boy. Uh, well, put a pin in that. Okay, number three on my bottom five quarterbacks is 
Carson Wentz. Feel bad doing it because the guy obviously has an injured thumb. He's going to be out for several weeks, but 12 for 22 for 99 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That stinks. He's got to be on there. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. It's better. He had 360 yards in a loss. He'll take, I think the team would take 99 yards, no picks, and a win. <laughs> yeah, you're That's right. kind of like, so, honestly, for Carson Wentz, the bar is so low these days that that's okay. You know what? We'll take 99 yards. I understand. He definitely belongs in this bottom five list. But that's not the worst Carson Wentz performance I've ever seen. The <laughs> second worst quarterback in the NFL right now, Maggie's bottom five quarterbacks of the moment, the man Carson Wentz was going up against on Thursday night, Justin Fields. 14 for 27. It's just brutal. 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He did have 12 rushes for 88 yards, so that's a positive. He took five sacks. I mean, it's just not getting any easier here for Justin So what if the last play of the game, the receiver had caught the ball and he was an inch away from the end zone? If he got in the end zone, they would have won the game 14 to 12. Would you have switched places with Fields and Wentz on that list? <laughs> Maybe he rises to three as opposed to falls to two. There was at least he had that big run toward the end. That yep. was really that cool. Was, that was awesome. There are moments of something. There's just no sustained success there. And even the moments of something still kind of look off. But I don't know. I, I'm not sure. We came into this year. You especially said, you know what? They're not helping this kid at all. No, I'm, I'm curious if they're trying to sabotage yeah. him a little bit to get an, another quarterback in there. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at Justin Fields, he's 23. Yeah. He's 23 years he, old. He hopefully has a nice long career in this league, but and, right now it's not going well. And the other thing, too, say they do move on from him. Can anyone wear that uniform and be a good quarterback? Well, the all-orange one or the normal Bears uniform? Just that C on your helmet. The yeah. Bears cannot have a good quarterback. The second Fields went there. He should have seen something was wrong. They're just <laughs> bad historically. All right, and number one on the list of my bottom five quarterbacks of the moment. little twist on this this week. Russell Wilson. Oh, I had to take it. The low-hanging fruit. 15 for 28. 53%. That's it in terms of completions last night. 188 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, four sacks. Only had four rushes for 23 yards. I get it. Hamstring, shoulder, all these maladies together. This is not what Denver Broncos fans signed up for or what they were sold. It is bad. He right now is my bottom, bottom quarterback in the league. Ooh, that feels tough. Of the moment, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel of the moment. Uh, do you think because you had higher expectations for him, if if he was a fifth round pick, say he was Bailey Zappi and came in and did this for Denver, yeah. do you think he would have been the bottom quarterback? No, of course it's because of the expectations. Oh, okay. It's because he's a future Hall of Famer. It's because I think he wanted to go to Denver to win MVPs. All of that stuff plays in, but right now it's just bad. And we'll get yeah. the results of the MRI on his hamstring, and maybe he has to take a seat. But uh, this whole whole thing for the Broncos has just gone completely sideways. So how do you explain that first couple drives? I don't know, scripted, and you had the Chargers sort of on their heels? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's something in there. There's, it's there somewhere. There's moments. That long pass to K.J. Hamler. Yeah, there's that was moments pretty- in there. Then I, I thought the second half, the pass rush I uh, just killed him. Like the yep. offensive line, and I, I understand I'm seeing a lot of tweets that it was his fault. He should be calling out the blitzes and he's missing guys. Mm. So I, I don't know. I have trouble. Where do you assign the blame? Is it Russell? Is it the coach? Is it the offensive line? Is it the receivers? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. right now we're doing a bottom five I quarterbacks mean, list, so he's got to take some of the blame. I was listening closely. Aikman was eviscerating the receiver staff. Uh, they, they just said they are running, and he pointed out 
every single route is wrong. Uh, I mean, it doesn't feel like they're well coached or I don't know. Well, I, there was also a moment, though, when he pointed, when Aikman pointed out there was a receiver right in front of Russell Wilson. The He's one like, right throw in... it, throw it, throw it. So. Yeah, I know. There was, But how about there were so many times where the receiver uh, would not flat his route, which Russell wanted. And so the guy, what's he supposed to do? Judy doesn't even know when the ball's coming. No. Once hits him in the head on every play. <laughs> it's... Jerry Judy is probably the most disappointing player in the NFL to me because I thought he was oh. be so good out of it. He is so not good. And where's your guy Cortland Sutton? What happened to him? I don't know. I did he were, play last night? There were a lot of things I wasn't. I didn't know that J.C. Jackson got benched in that game last night for the Chargers. Benched at halftime. I mean, I noticed that he wasn't out there, but I didn't realize it was a bench situation. I mean, this is someone you paid a ton of money to in free agency to come over and play for the Chargers defense. So that was surprising. So to recap, my bottom mm-hmm. five quarterbacks of the moment: Cooper Rush, Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, Justin Fields, Russell Wilson. So Russell Wilson threw for a hundred. And 88 yards last night. That is more than I counted six quarterbacks who won games. Yes. So you don't necessarily need to be prolific this year. No, Carson uh, Carson Wentz won the game. He had 99 yards. Yes. Was it, was Russell really that much worse than, than Daniel Jones has been on any given day? Or that Geno Smith is, so, was this week? Or okay. Marcus I l- Mariota? I did look at it. Yeah. And at least Daniel Jones threw two touchdowns and a no interceptions in a right. win at home. Big upset win. So Russ threw one touchdown, no picks. Right. Okay. Uh, Zach Wilson. It was hard for me to give it to Zach. I could have given it to Zach Wilson, but mm. a big upset like that, Jets well, going into Lambo, it just felt wrong. Yeah, it's not that Zach Wilson wasn't bad. He just they didn't. He just didn't do anything. They didn't do it. They didn't yeah. want him to do anything. So how do you do? What about Mariota? Who all he really does is run. He doesn't throw much. Listen, I mean, I thought that the Falcons might be the worst team in the NFL. Worse this year. Of course. And now they're what three and three. Yeah. And they could be three and fourteen or ten and <laughs> well, seven. We'll we have no idea. Will come true. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Let's hit Brian, who's in New Jersey. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey guys, good afternoon. What's up? Wanted to talk. Yeah, wanted to talk about um, the Buffalo Kansas City game. As you guys remember from last year, uh, thirteen seconds, Mahomes gets the score, the field goal, and then ultimately wins the game. Right. And then the same situation basically shows up again uh, right before halftime, right? Yes. Do you think Buffalo would learn? But it, and, and they did do one thing, right? They kind of squibbed the kick and got a few seconds off, but Mahomes still got the field goal. So here's my question that I don't understand why TV analysts and others in the media don't understand. Why wouldn't the Buffalo Bills, when there's like 10 seconds left before halftime, or, be, or at the end of a game as well, why wouldn't the Buffalo defense just grab and hold everybody? It's a 5 it's a five-yard penalty, but the clock runs on a defensive penalty. It's a flaw in the rules. Why don't teams do this to employ this? Why do they let teams get in field goal range? Now, you can't end the half in a penalty. I understand that. But then you only have time for a Hail Mary. You cannot kick a field goal. So I don't understand why teams don't do this. Hmm. And why is it not analyzed that way? Does Belichick ever do it? Has he ever done it? Of course. Yeah. I feel like that sounded familiar for well, something that why, Bill Belichick why, used to do. I, I, Alabama, Tennessee, you know, same thing. Nick, Nick Saban lets them get in the field goal range on two plays. Hold everybody. If the clock's going to run. They don't have a 10-second run-up like they have a 10-second run-down when they fake injury. Right, right, right. Well, what if they call P.I., though, and not hold? Well, if... If you hold them right up, the, right at the bat, you can't do that. You just grab it. You just you have to. You have to He's like doing a very obvious hold of yeah, it. But, but you might be able to. You might be giving the other quarterback a free play. 
Well, what if it's a quick throw, though? Because you only have 13 seconds left, so you're going to throw the ball fast. Like, you, you really got to make sure the official sees you hold before the ball's in the air, right? No, but, but you can't go that far if you're going to grab them right at the line. Where are you going to go? You're grabbing them. You're not waiting 15 yards to grab them. You're grabbing them right away. Right. You're talking about and the defensive say, lineman just grabbing the offensive lineman. Also, too, in that no, situation, no, no. there. No, no, no. You're, what are you talking about then? I'm talking about the secondary. Oh, just, just okay, up. yeah, yeah. Just but to grab not, one of the wide receivers. Okay. They're not really right up on the wide receiver in that position. You're saying get right up there. I don't know. Yes. feels a bit yes. risky. Yes. Why not? I, I'm, well, first of all, you, do you see the way officiating is going? You could easily get a PI flag in that situation. I'm just telling you, then it's 15 yards, no time off the clock. And what did you mean the clock keeps running on a defensive hold? The, the clock runs. They don't, they don't let, if, let's say... Let's say in my scenario, let's say it took seven seconds to run that play because they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're oh, they're oh right during the play, but not they they stopped the clock then. Of course, but my point is that you'll give up the five seconds for the five yards every time, right? You the, the clock matters more than the yard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, you've given some something for us to think about, Brian. You're it sounds like you're on a one man crusade to make this the thing. Oh, he hung up. <laughs> I don't know. I had never thought about that before. I just feel like it's leaving a lot maybe to chance, right? Well, I mean, I think you're, you're risking a PI because the ball's coming out of Mahomes' hand in like two seconds. Once it's in the air, then I think it's it's up for pass interference. It kind of feels like, you know, fouling a guy when you're up by three in the NBA yeah. so yeah, he yeah. can't get the three-point shot off. Right, right. You're taking yeah, but, a risk, sure, but you're also... I know, but sometimes that guy can go into the act of shooting, and depending on who's roughing your game, you might actually get the, you might get the flag there or get the foul. Interesting. All right. What else we got? Any other, any other coaching brain busters anyone want to bring out? All right. Well, let's move on, shall we? Because coming up, Lane Kiffin has Ole Miss ranked the highest they've been since 2015. But what does his future hold? We've got that. We've got incredible Nick Saban sound that you've got to hear as well. Do a little college football in just a moment. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio, CBS Sports Network, Sirius XM Channel 158, and the free Odyssey app. We're back on Maggie and Perloff. I don't know if everyone's following baseball. The Yankees are finally playing, man. That was a long night last night. It was, I was a only, long night. I was following on social media, and I'm in New York, and it was raining outside. I was like, are they are they playing? Because it didn't feel like it. No, and I, I know that a lot of people got really upset about it, but it's my understanding that when it gets to the postseason, it's actually Major League Baseball that makes the call here. Yeah. Now, this definitely worked in the Yankees' favor. I don't know if it's going to matter today in this winner-take-all against the Guardians, but... It definitely worked in the Yankees' favor. So if you were a Yankee fan and you were complaining last night, even if you were at the stadium, what kind of fan are you? You have to be able to sacrifice your own experience if it's for the better of the team. I mean, Stu, you're a Yankee fan. Come on. Yeah, I don't disagree. I'd rather, much rather have Cortez on the mound than Jameson Tyone. That's a that's a major win for the Yankees. But just as a and human, And the bullpen's though. another yeah. day rested after they had been pretty much gassed. But as a human, though, you drive to the Bronx to watch a game. Like, you're telling me that that's not annoying beyond all belief? Listen, what's more annoying? You're going to lose to Cleveland or you're going to, you know, miss out on a game? Come on. This, this is a chase for 28. Yankees haven't won a World Series since 09. You got to put the team before yourself, no? 
I don't know. A mask that sounds easy. <laughs> that sounds easy from your dry couch watching the game. Yeah, I wasn't going to that game. Uh uh-uh, uh. Way too late. Plus, I had Monday Night Football to watch, and that was <laughs> what a barn burner. Man, I guess I chose wisely there. Can watch more Russell Wilson? Of the last few primetime games, that was definitely the best. Because the one, before, <laughs> the one before that, we had, yeah. we had Guardians. No, we had Commanders. Uh, Commanders, and whatever. Bears. New name that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Commanders, Bears. We had Broncos, Colts last week. This was the. This was, was basically this was the Bills Chiefs playoff game from last year <laughs> compared to the Colts Broncos. <laughs> I know it, it, it's bad. We were starved, uh, but anyway, uh, we got to get to some college football yeah. because I was a little surprised by this. I didn't hear Nick Saban's press conference until after the show yesterday, but Saban was surprisingly candid about his team being tight before they played Tennessee. You want to have great energy and you want to be loose. I thought. We were tight, especially starting the game. I mean, coming out of the locker room, our players always chant. They weren't chanting. I said, why aren't you guys chanting? What's up with that? <laughs> Fair question. What's I, up with that? Why, What's why, up with that? Yeah. I mean, what is up with that, though? I, I'm not, like, honestly asking. Was it something about maybe the fact their quarterback was coming back and everyone knew he was coming off a sprained shoulder? Or was it Tennessee's really good and the crowd was big? And history? I mean, I don't think these, like... I don't know. Every guy's different. But for these young men who play college football, do you think they're thinking about a 15-game winning streak against Tennessee? That's for us. That's for the fans. I don't think these young men really, that plays into their, like, I don't think it makes them more nervous. No, I mean, the crowd was intense at Tennessee. So that that could definitely be it. Uh, But you're Bama. You just played at the national championship. Like, that crowd's Yeah, I mean, there's something, there's obviously something wrong with this team because they had, what, 15 penalties a week before, 17 this week. They were in a barn burner against a really flawed A&M team the week before. Yeah. Something's a little off. Well, they didn't have their quarterback, though, last against A&M. So you're yeah, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But they also like, some, they have all these first-round picks on defense who were just, uh, obviously, they didn't jump last week. But even against Texas A&M, they really struggled. Something just feels a little bit wrong. But this happened before. Remember, they lost an early game at Texas A&M last year. I, I think they, they figure it out. Okay, but yeah. think about it. Yeah. One more loss... And that's it, right? Right, but the same thing last year. And they, you know, they lost right at the same point in the season to AM, almost the same exact game, a huge high scoring game where their defense just fell apart. Then they, they're probably going to correct it during the regular season. Do you see a loss on their schedule before they get to the SEC, conference title? Yeah, right. I mean, obviously, look at what George is doing. Um, they're playing awesome. Uh, so the slate coming up Mississippi State. Uh, this Saturday, and then at LSU, and then Ole Miss. And it's funny because I didn't realize this, but Ole Miss now is ranked seventh in the AP poll. That's the highest they've been since 2015, Perloff. And I don't know what's going to happen between now and then with Ole Miss, but that sets up a really interesting one between Saban and Lane Kiffin. And, you know, beyond whether Alabama is... You know, if there's another loss on their schedule, this doesn't. This was supposed to be the dominant Alabama team. Remember, yeah. like last year, you would even could have you know forgiven a loss to A and M because remember they were rebuilding, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. This is supposed to be the juggernaut team. Well, I mean, I still think they'll be favored by 12, 13, 14 points against Ole Miss. They should win. Yeah, they should win those games. You know, we've seen we were down on them. We've been down on Saban teams before. You know that they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. By the way, I don't think two losses definitely knocks them out. Really? I mean, it's going to be hard, but it's not a definite out for Alabama. They're the one team. 
Because it's just, I mean, right now, we look at all these teams and say they're going to be undefeated, but you know they're going to start knocking each other off all over the place. No, I get it. It's going yeah. to become more chaotic, but I'm not also saying it's a given that if you meet Georgia in the SEC championship game, that you're winning that game. No, well, yeah, but where do they get a second loss? Say they run the table and they get a second loss. Say Tennessee gets destroyed by Georgia. Yeah. Is it guarantee? Yeah, I guess guarantee. I don't know. Tennessee gets in with one loss. I think Tennessee definitely gets in with one loss over a two-loss Alabama team, okay. definitely. There's just so much football. That's all I'm saying. That that To look at this, right now, the top five teams are all undefeated. There's no way there's going to be five undefeated teams vying for that. Even And I don't think we feel that great about any of them, do we? Um, I mean, Georgia barely beat Kent State. This, yeah, but... And they haven't done anything since they haven't played anybody yet. We have no idea who they are. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, listen... Yeah, I get Georgia what you're saying. It was Georgia a close win to, against Mizzou. I understand what you're saying. Georgia has to play Tennessee. So they're going to knock each other off. Ohio State hasn't played anybody yet. Ohio State and Michigan are two and four. They're going to knock each other off. Clemson looks like they were dying to lose a game. So you just never know. I mean, and Alabama just gets a benefit from Alabama. And as they should. And they, Yeah, that's probably as true. As they should. Uh, but obviously that was a massive win for Tennessee. Um, okay. We started talking about Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Because, again, highest-ranked team they've had since 2015. Kiffin got there in 2020. So let's just say, for example, that they continue and Ole Miss has, is having a fantastic season. Yeah. Jackson Dart, whatever you want to talk about, right? They don't have to beat Alabama to have a fantastic season. They're having a very good That's season, true. and they can continue to do that. Whether but they, they do get Bama, and it, it's at home. Yeah. So well, Even if they lose that, I do think it's going to be considered for Lane Kiffin a great year. No doubt. I mean, they're already having a great yeah. year. But let's just say this becomes a super special year, and maybe they make it, I, I don't know, fill in the blank there, whatever that means to you. I was thinking, like, Lane Kiffin is kind of known for being a, like, mercenary type of coach. Oh, definitely. Right. So, but where's the move? So, like, say you have this great season with Ole Miss, or say you put together two great seasons or whatever, and then you're looking to move up or somewhere else if Lane continues on this trajectory. Like, what's next? You know, you're... Saban's not going anywhere, and I don't know if he'd get the Bama job. Who else? Like, where's the other program that he would take over? And if not that, does that mean you're just going back to the NFL? Like, if he wants to cash in and maybe get a huge contract? But to be honest, I think the NFL is kind of down on college coaches, you know, making the jump. I know he was obviously the former coach of the Raiders, but the the prim primarily college coaches have not worked out recently. Urban Meyer was a disaster. Matt Rule just got fired. Cliff Kingsbury's on the hot seat or should be on the hot seat. It hasn't been great for the college guys. Okay, well, we know a couple things about Lane is I don't think Lane really wants to be in the SEC anymore, right? I, unless he okay, has one of the best. Okay, going to go to USC? He already, so, already went down I that mean, path. Do you think there's any chance Arizona State really goes all after him this year? But would he do that? He might. But why? Because he wants... I think he wants out of this situation. Ole Miss, you're, you're pinned in by these powerhouses. Yeah, but he's number seventh in the country right now. I mean, that's that's not I think nothing. Th I think the the fact that he could not land Arch Manning, just I think he feels a limitation of, of the recruiting there. So yeah, you're but right, there are a lot of good You're not getting Arch Manning's not even returning your phone call if you're at Arizona State. No offense. Yeah, but I am just dead again. But you're in the Pac-12. Who knows what could happen there? At least there's a path to a title. I don't see it at Ole Miss. 
Man, I, I, mean, I, just, Miami, I don't see where his next move. Could I mean, I think be. the Miami Hurricanes, if they didn't just hire a coach, would have been the. Well, they hire a coach all the time. <laughs> that would have been the. I mean, doesn't it feel like he should be the Miami Hurricanes coach, Lane Kiffin? Kind of. It'd be perfect. Yeah. But they really just hired Mario Cristobal, so they can't yeah, do that. Yeah, that's and There's that no was. Openings. He's not going to want to do. Forget Nebraska. He's not going in the middle of the country. He's not going to Nebraska. So I don't think Auburn's the same problem as Ole Miss. That's yeah. a lateral move. Yeah, you're, that's, no, that, you're right. There's no. There's not like a. There's Florida no. Florida just hired a coach. I don't see it. So maybe that's a good good news for Ole Miss fans. Maybe he's going to be there for a while. Well, what if what that's if that's just not his nature? What if the NFL poaches a big time college coach? I know you're right. It's not a hot thing to do. Say right Ryan now. Day goes. No, I don't think no. Ain't going to coach Ohio State. No, Ohio State has a million guys that would. Uh, you know, Texas at some point. It depends on how Sark does. I don't know. The the USC assistant pipeline. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I don't know. But you know how this is. Things open up. That's why I think it, I don't know if we've seen the last of Lane in the NFL. I don't know if he said and if I'm sure he's probably been asked this a hundred times. I'm sure he says all the right things, but I wouldn't be surprised because I don't know where else you go. If, uh, if indeed you're trying to move, and we should say the caveat, he might be perfectly happy at Ole Miss. I he just no feels so comfortable in a visor right now, and I think visor <laughs> to me says college football. I can't picture him jumping the NFL. There have been a couple college coaches that have tried to do the visor. It has not Chip gone Kelly, well. I think tried well, to... Doug Peterson Yeah, did, oh, He's a huge visor guy. Visor all the way to a Super Bowl for your Eagles. Um, remember Matt Nagy was a visor guy. Yeah, I, I think... Which is I, funny because he was bald, which is not normally what you see with visor guys. I think Lane Kiffin wants a particular situation, and I don't think it's the NFL, and I don't think it's SEC anymore. I think, and if you're, I, this is maybe I'm putting myself in the shoes, like there's no SEC job where you're going to be able to beat Alabama, LSU, and Georgia on a consistent basis. So get out of there. Go to the Pac-12. <laughs> so he loves leave. the Pac-12. He, you're going to go to the Pac-12 right now, where the whole conference feels really unstable. Yes, that's you don't a, know who's going to leave at what point. Oregon, Washington, where are they going? Arizona, ma- Arizona State. Opportunity. Crisis equals opportunity. (laughs) Okay. I mean, maybe. They'd have to blow them away with money, I'm sure. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. How about Bob in Buffalo? Bob, how are you, sir? Okay, how are you doing? i want I got to jump all over Perloff here for that uh, statement you made about Alabama getting the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Did you watch the game at all? Yeah. Against Tennessee? Of course. Can you tell me where the holding penalty was? On the opening oh. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we can't, Bob, you and I and Perloff, we all know college officiating and even the NFL. It's awful. What about the targeting? What about the targeting on Bryce, on Bryce Young? Was that a penalty? No, I said the benefit of the doubt by the college football playoff selection committee, which they always have gotten. You don't think they're going to get that anymore? I'm asking you about the targeting that would have put Alabama down in the... No, I know, Bob. Line. I know, Bob. We get what you're asking about, but Proloff says about he's not talking about an individual game getting the benefit of the doubt. He's talking about the college football playoff committee. You know they want Bama in there. They don't want Alabama in. Why? Alabama they, brings they, massive eyeballs. They don't. They tried to steal the Texas game the same way they tried to. They're, they're doing it. They did it in the Mississippi game, but this time they got away with it. They Why are you such an Alabama, Alabama fan in, in Buffalo? Are you from Alabama? <laughs> What's that? How'd you become such a big Crimson Tide fan if you live in Buffalo? I've always been a Crimson Tide fan because I like the way Saban coaches. There we go. I mean, listen, that works for me. Bob, I I get it. The refs always out to screw every team. 
And I kind of agree with them. I mean, I can kind of get behind that. I always think they're out to get my team, too. Can I tell you one sports mistake I've always made? What's up? And, Ak, you you probably relate to this, but you probably know who this is. Remember the Bills had a coach named Lou Saban? Sure. (laughs) Like, I think he led them to an AFL title, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always assumed Nick Saban was Lou Saban's son. And he's not. I, I googled that at first, year, yeah, many yeah, yeah. years ago. The, what are the odds? Would that yeah. make more sense than yeah, absolutely. them not being related at I, all? I think they should be just, just for that. And like, this is what keeps you up nights. <laughs> no, no, no. This no, is what you're saying. thinking about. But a guy named Lou Saban who who coached the Bills—that's who Nick Saban's dad should be. That feels like <laughs> without question. I think they're distant cousins, by the way. There's something there, like they are some. Okay, so connection. they are related, or they are. Uh, it's it's very hazy. There was some parties <laughs> in West Virginia back in the day. We don't know. We really don't know. But I, no, no, I he's not. His, he's not his son. Uh, I don't think Nick Saban's dad was a football coach. I got to double check that. But I figured, like, just like Belichick, you know, Nick Saban, Lou Saban, come on. What are the <laughs> odds? Yeah, it's funny. You never thought that you guys never have thought about the Lou Saban, Nick Saban no, connection? Said he has. Absolutely. I've yeah, never yeah, yeah, thought. Yeah. I mean, I have read like three or four biographies on Lou Saban. I mean, I know so much <laughs> about the guy's life, his upbringing, where he came from. Everyone knows Lou Saban. Yeah, so does anyone know what years he was there? I have no idea. I just know they had a coach named Lou Saban. I want to say. He came in O.J. Simpson's second season. So that would be <laughs> what? That would be 69 to 74? 62 to 65. Oh, he was actually had two stints with the Bills. 62 to 65, then 72 to 76. Okay. And can we get an official ruling on any relation to Nick Saban? I thought you've already done this. I thought no, you did the homework on this. That's no, why I haven't. you brought it I, up. I just thought, okay, I'm Googling, is Lou Saban... Uh, they were called Distant Cousins in a 2005 article where Lou comments on the younger Saban's success. Upon the death of Lou Saban, his widow, Joyce Saban, said the two men might have been second cousins. That's why I don't know. It's Dude, very... are you Bob Costas right now? You are doing a history <laughs> lesson in the middle of the show that no one's asking for? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Wikipedia page that? says, I'm that's why I'm saying it's a complete mystery. You <laughs> asked is, me. You got Ack right, right in the funny bone right there. This is Ack's wheelhouse. <laughs> you had me at cousins. <laughs> you asked me, are they cousins? And I'm like, it's a big mystery. Nobody knows if Lou Saban and Nick Saban, they might have been second cousins. That's all the, I got for you. The first sentence in the Wikipedia page before what Perloff just read, it says, Lou Saban shares a last name with another famous coach, Nick Saban. That's how they start the entire family tree. Wait yeah, yeah, no, that's Lou Saban's question. claim to fame. This is ridiculous. First of all, it's not only is it the year 2022. We've got ancestry. We've got 23 and Me. We can swab some DNA. We can get to the bottom of this in 30 seconds. Wait, are you guys? How the police cares. are catching all these criminals are gonna, now? Are you going to dig out Lou Saban from the ground and check his DNA? What are you talking about? No, we can find a way. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Actually, I don't think you have to do that. That I was super really gross. Hope we don't have to do that. <laughs> Uh, Authorities anyway. in Buffalo are exhuming Lou Saban <laughs> to see if he's actually related to is Nick he, Saban. Is he buried in Buffalo? I have no idea. <laughs> You're just Again, I don't really know much about we him. Hunt for, <laughs> we hunt for Lou Saban's grave. <laughs> so what was Nick Saban's dad's deal? I couldn't even Occupy, get that no? without that I know. Right. May he Mr. rest in peace, by the way. Sheesh. Did we have to say that? We should. We mean it. 855-212-4CBS. So where was he buried? Nobody. I'm. I'm actually. I'm onto another project altogether. <laughs> That's it. I'm trying what to find out. Goldfish. Just I'm trying like to find out. Goes. What's the deal with Nick Saban being from West Virginia? Can anyone answer that? We'll find out after the break. <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah. What is up with that? Coming up next, our <laughs> the one thing that no one's talking about with Russell Wilson. Perloff goes against the grain. We'll do that. Don't move. Bottom of the hour. Time for a CBS Sports update. Here's Rich Ackerman. 
Welcome back to Maggie and Proloff. The Defensive Play of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces DOD veterans and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Favorite time of the week. One of them. We have many highlights during the week. Navy Federal is one of them where Perloff and I get to guess who Stu picked as the Navy Federal Defensive Player of the Week. I'm going to be honest. I put no thought into this, yeah. even though I love this segment. Um, go ahead, uh, Perloff. You go first. Uh, my, I'm just going to go with my gut. I think it's Quinn and Williams from the Jets. Oh, I could see Stu doing that. Um, who else had a really big day defensively? I don't think he's going to go. He's not going to go with the Broncos from last night. Uh, vamp for yeah, he me. He goes back to me. Sunday. Um, who had a big game? Yada, yada, yada. Da, da, da. Something oh, from the Giants. Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, the Did we Eagle. already do Kayvon Thibodeau? I don't think so. Uh, don't believe I, so. I think the Eagles cornerbacks are in play, too. Oh, but he did, did you pick an Eagle slay? last week? I think he did. Because we learned, remember, Stu's a front runner. Or did you do Nick Bosa <laughs> last week? Okay. No. No, it was uh, the Eagles last week. It was the Eagles week. last so week. So it's not going to be the Eagles. I think it's someone on the Giants. I'm going to go with... Yeah, I'm going to go with someone on the Giants. Okay. Stu? Uh, all right. Uh, your initial guess was right. In Sunday's 27-10 to win over the Packers, Jets defensive lineman Quinnen Williams had five tackles, sacked Aaron Rodgers twice, and forced a fumble. Through six games, Williams leads all defensive tackles and sacks with five. Oof. It is amazing what kind of season he's putting together. Is he in a contract year? I don't know, but he's putting together an unbelievable year. And to be like, not just having that day, do you see him like dancing and stuff in Lambo? I mean, this guy gives zero Fs. Stu, who else did you look at? I'm curious. I did look at your Eagle corner, CJ Gardner Johnson. Uh, he had a big day. Yeah. yeah. Went out of the game, came back. But in. you could do Eagle, Eagle. It was tough. And I, I was looking at Drew Tranquil, but again, I knew we'd be talking about the Broncos yeah. and Chargers game. So, how about yeah. Tranquil? He will never get an easier sack than the one he had on well, Russell Wilson last night. So, I'm in a big Twitter war over Drew Tranquil's sack of Russell Wilson. Why? With who? Jeff Schwartz, our buddy, former NFL offensive lineman, big yeah. Twitter guy says that Russell should have seen that coming and, and, and done the hot route. <laughs> I mean, you can see a freight in, train coming also. I don't know if it means you can get out of the way. Uh, he, and basically, a lot of people, are, a lot of NFL types are agreeing that they should have done some kind of blocking scheme or something. I don't understand. I think it's hard for us, and even for Jeff Schwartz, to understand what the, call, what the play was called. It sure looked like Russell Wilson said hike and a guy sacked him in half a second. <laughs> but, That's what it looked like to me. But maybe there's something about identifying the blitz that Russell's not seeing. I'll tell you who else didn't see it. Any one of the offensive linemen who are sitting in front of him. Well, no, they, they saw it. They parted like the Red Sea and said, <laughs> hey, here you go. I'm going to go double team this guy who hasn't gotten a sack in three years. Just run through here. Uh, same on the other side. They were not – Justin Herbert did not have any time either. Uh, I don't know. The whole NFL doesn't feel like – feels like a lot of quarterbacks say hike and just start running for their lives right now. <laughs> yeah, and the ones who aren't are need to be running for their yeah. life a little bit more. Aaron Rodgers – he does not have any time whatsoever. He's never sitting in a pocket and surveying the field like we used to see. Yeah, but see, what's odd about that is they they are their offensive line is getting healthier. Well, okay? right. And their run game is robust. And you have you should have enough receivers with Aaron Rodgers to have a threat of the pass. They should not be this easy to sort of tamp down. I mean, I know that the the Jets' defense has got some really nice pieces, especially their front, and then Sauce Gardner in the back is awesome. But, I mean, the the Packers' offense should be way. I mean, should be way more effective. All the uh, 
all the Packers writers right so they got to do a couple switches on the offensive line like they got to bench a couple the right guard I guess is a real problem he's a revolving door so that's why I say give Aaron Rodgers a little time they'll get new personnel in fix the O-line uh, and then with a healthy Bakhtiari he, he just needs a little time Aaron Rodgers keeps saying he's an inch off do you believe him well, no, we have actually Rogers sounds too. Can we yeah. listen to cut five where Rogers talks about the offensive struggles? This was Sunday after the game. Based on how we've played the last two weeks, I think it's going to be in our best interest to simplify things for everybody, for the line, for the backs, for the receivers, especially with Cobby's injury, just simplify some things and maybe that'll help us get back on track. Okay, so he wants to simplify things. Now, he was asked about that on the Pat McAfee show today and explained it. The point was that if we're not executing those plans, which, to be honest, are not the most complex things uh, the majority of the time, then the only slight reaction might be to even simplify things even further. Let's make sure that these guys can handle what we're doing. It was really an alert for our players. Like We need to lock in a little bit more and simplify things in our own mind. So we need to simplify our own game, both fundamentally and, and execution-wise. And again, it's not anything against the staff because those guys put a lot of lot of work into it. At some point, it's got to be the accountability's got to fall on the players to go out and execute. That's what that means, LaFleur. <laughs> hey, seriously, figure it out, dude. Just figure it out. <laughs> so that was on McAfee Show today. Simplify, simplify yeah. is the new R-E-L-A-X for... Aaron Rodgers. Simplify, right. I, I don't know what that means. It means hands the ball and the ball off to Aaron Jones. Did you say simplify? Simplify, yeah. Okay, so he's not part of the, the military then. Yeah, but I, I keep <laughs> well, reading. Maybe the Navy Federal. Yes. The, you know, if the O-line is not playing well, which all reports is a disaster, the entire right side is, there was no holes for anybody. Maybe the Jets were that good on defense. I have trouble believing that, though. There's something, something else is going on here. Quick update for you. After Giancarlo Stanton had a three-run home run in the first inning, Aaron Judge has now hit a solo shot. It is 4-0. Yankees leading the Guardians in this winner-take-all game five. Who's going to be huge. going to the yeah, ALCS? Both huge shots. Uh, one, they were both to the right field wall in Yankee Stadium, which is 17 feet past the second <laughs> baseman. This is the shortest home run Aaron Judge has hit his entire yes. life. Let's talk a little bit about small ballparks in uh, Philadelphia, Bandbox. I, I saw the the Guardians. Is that their name? Yeah. I saw the second baseman rob a home run the other day on a pop-up. <laughs> this is ridiculous. No, that's Yankee just Stadium. baseball these days, Perloff. That's just a defensive but Yankees, alignment. But Yankee Stadium right, right field is a joke. Oh, it's the short porch. Uh, okay, Perloff goes against the grain on Russell Wilson next. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff straight ahead. 